Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast episode where I'm joined today by Daniel Rees-Morgan from Wales. And Daniel's going to be talking to us today around his title, From Confusion to Clarity. Very warm welcome to you, Daniel. Thank you, Paul. Much appreciated. So, uh, tell us about your journey so far from pain. Yeah, well, I'm really glad for the opportunity to tell my story and for you to extract a bit more because I've only just recently started sharing my story publicly and uh, it might be a bit brief uh, currently and I'm sure you'll be able to extract a bit more from me and make it a bit longer. So my story is I went through depression for 10 years to the point of feeling like I wanted to cry all day, every day for no apparent reason. And I'm not over-exaggerating that. I was in a high state of anxiety to the point of feeling like I wanted to cry. You know, I'd wake up in the mornings in, in a panic attack, basically, of having to go through another day. And what was worse than being depressed and anxious was the feeling of confusion, because I didn't even know why I was depressed. Right. And if you know why you're depressed, at least you can do something about it. Mm. If you don't know why, where do you go from there, you know? I was yeah. lost and confused. And as if by chance, I just stumbled across some personal development books. And yeah, I didn't even buy the, the, the book that I, that I first uh, came across, but it just occurred to me, maybe I can do something about this, you know? I didn't want to be on medication. I didn't want that on my medical record in my depressed state. I was under the impression that if I've got antidepressants on my medical record, then future employee, employers are not going to want to employ me. I'll never be able to get a good job etc. So I wanted to do something about it for myself. And I think deep down, I knew that the way I felt was some kind of message that was guiding me back to a better life, you know, and so I wanted to process it for myself. And personal development did that for me, you know, I started diving into it, and just started making sense of things, making sense of my own mind and starting to feel better bit by bit. It took a long time. It wasn't like it happened overnight, you know, but mm. every day taking steps in the right direction and fell in love with personal development. And um, yeah, a long time um, went on of um, me loving personal development, being in love with it. And it being my dream to be a coach. And, you know, in my depressed state, I was like, who, who am I to be a coach? You know, it was years went by until finally I just realized, you know what? I've been doing this long enough now. I know what I'm talking about. I understand how things work. I've, you know, I've conquered depression for myself. Then why would I withhold that from, you know, me sharing it with other people? And uh, that was the start of my coaching journey, I guess. Mm, okay. So I just want to pick up on something you said there, Daniel, about going back to a good life. So is it fair to assume by that statement that as a child, um, as a young man, you had a good life? And things kind of become more confused later on for you? 
Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I certainly haven't had a bad life. I definitely had a long time of feeling like I needed to fit in. And I think this is where the depression started, basically. Mm. Um, and I think that went on for a long time before I really even recognized that I was depressed. Um, I spent a lot of time, you know, bothering with people that probably I shouldn't be because they wasn't really my tribe and doing things in order to try to fit in with those people. You know, I'd be like, I'm showing off and um, trying to get recognition from them and not really being myself. So what age was this, Daniel, when this was all evolving? I think it started in school. Yeah. Yeah. For a long time after that, I became depressed around about 18. Mm. And yeah, I would say in school, I, looking back, I can see I didn't have self-esteem all, all through school. I was just all about showing off and trying to be the big guy, you That's know, correct, trying yeah. to uh, gain approval in other people's eyes. Yeah. Oh, have you become aware, Daniel, in later, later life, why that was? Self-esteem. You know, I, I think if anyone feels that they've got to be something other than what they really are, mm. then there's a steam issue going on there isn't it oh definitely is- definitely but i suppose uh, the question i was trying to sort of establish was have you become aware then um and you're absolutely right what you've said in my opinion but something would have caused that self-esteem or lack of it um was this mm-hmm. something i mean mine if i can share mine was as a, as a result of my upbringing uh, and the behavior if we can call it that from a stepfather and it just stripped me of all dignity, self-esteem, self-respect, love. I just completely lost who I was and became this totally, totally different thing, person, being, call it what you will, because um, all those words are actually appropriate as I, as I travelled through the the ensuing years. So I just wondered with yourself, Daniel, was there an incident, a thing, or or, or a mixture of things that could say, well, actually... Similarly, that stripped away who who I actually was. Mm. There was nothing as extreme as abuse, but I moved around different places. I lived with my grandparents for five years. Mm. Because, uh, my my father moved out initially, went to go and live with my grandparents. You know, parents split up as you know a lot of parents do nowadays. Um, I stayed with my mother for a while and then I went to go and live with my grandparents with my father still there. And it wasn't long after moving in that my father moved again. And I think that had a big impact on me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, being around new kids, having to try and fit in with those kids, feeling like I, you know, feeling like I had to fit in and be something different than where I was. Yeah. I think just moving around a bit and, and like I say, the impact of my father moving out a, a few times and, you know, perhaps I internalised that in a way that... It's my fault he doesn't want to be around me kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, as, as the years have gone by, uh, Daniel, from your now your professional role as a coach, do you find yourself having sort of uh, gone back into the past to make sense of it? I mean, it's, it's a bit of a kind of dual-edged question, that is, because I think we progress anyway to a place of where life's good um, or as a bare minimum acceptable, okay, call it what you will, but as coaches, I, I always, I'm always intrigued to sort of dig into into journeys and say, well, you know, that inner work that we that we do on ourselves, um, or not as the case may be. You know, I'm just trying to get a feel, Daniel, for where where you how your professional 
journeys help you to come to terms with with past challenges yeah yeah the sense i made made of it is like i said while i was depressed i had no idea why i was depressed mm. the sense i've made of it is that i wasn't being myself yeah i'm on my path and that depression was guiding me back to being myself to finding my tribe um to doing something purposeful with my life um to be in the best version of me that I can be. Mm. I bring to self-esteem. You know, I, I didn't, who knows where my self-esteem went off track with, you know, maybe it came from me trying to be something that I wasn't, or, you know, maybe it was the other way around, which came first, the chicken or the egg kind of thing. Mm. But, um, yeah, it, you know, my, my coaching is all about self-esteem and helping people to be themselves. Yeah. I mean, I know from, um, from my own experience and having spoken to I've lost count of the number of people around you know this this similar kind of I mean obviously every story is unique but there's a similar kind of pattern and as I've said before Daniel on a personal level I could certainly relate to this need to to use your words fit in to be part of and I think it's what Robbins would probably term as the need for significance and the love and connection because you know, what's interesting for me, and dare I say stereotypically guys or masculine energy, we're not actually allowed to talk about these things, are we? We're not allowed to kind of admit that we want and need love because we're lads and we're boys and we're men and it's like you just get on with it. Just don't make mm. a force. Girls are okay to talk about that kind of stuff, but we're not. And that mm. certainly as a kid, the way, you know, part of the... Well, one of many, many, many limiting beliefs that was bestowed upon me. So, you know, I think when I hear stories like uh, this, Daniel, it's it's. I think it's a it's a step it's a stage a process um, of of stepping back and and taking those plasters off that we and those labels that we've acquired along mm -hmm. our journey that have been stuck upon us. And because, like as you say quite rightly, you know, certainly as a child. Uh, we don't know what we don't know. We rely on people that's older than us, supposedly wiser, to guide us, to steer us, to love us. And, you know, I would never, ever underestimate the power of, of, what, of like what you said, of like your father moving out. Because, and that natural reaction stroke assumption of, mm, I'm not really loved. I'm not really loved because that's one of the biggest fears we all have, isn't it? One, that we'll never be good enough. And two, we'll never be loved. Mm. And the two kind of go hand in hand. And I think when we acquire that situation, that way of being, Daniel, at an early age, when we haven't got that emotional or intellectual capacity to, to rationalise it and work it through, we kind of carry that around like a big, heavy sack of coal on our backs for years. Mm. And I think it's, you know, because we're vulnerable and insecure, we tend to actually attract even more vulnerability and more insecurity. So it becomes mm. a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it? Yeah, trying to hide what we feel vulnerable and insecure about just perpetuates the problem, doesn't it? Yeah. The more, it, yeah, absolutely. You know, the more we try and hide the things that uh, we, we're insecure about, the more insecure we feel. So we bring it on ourselves, don't we? If we don't understand this, then we just keep making the problem worse and worse. 
Yeah, we do bring it on ourselves, but, you know, I think the uh, the secret there or the result there, Daniel, is to actually have that awareness because for me, it's, it's all about awareness. Everything starts with awareness because as you've quite rightly said, we don't know what we don't know. When you talked about your, you know, your darkness, your desperation, if I could have, if I'd have known what it was, I could have done something about it. But we don't mm. know what we don't know. And so that line in the sand, I think, that we draw when things, and it's usually when things get really bad, isn't it? Then we kind of, you know, that we draw that line and then, okay, I'm really, I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. Now, for me, it was attempted suicide. It was as drastic as, as that, as 13 and a half years of age. But that wow. actually drew a metaphoric line in the sand for me. And I had one of those fight or flight, uh, what I now know is fight or flight. As I say, at the time I was a kid, I didn't understand any of this. But I just knew that I had a purpose now, and that was to fight what I termed, I think it's quite patronising to use this terminology now, but at the time, and I used it for years, Daniel, was to fight for the underdog. I had a purpose so no matter what I was going through, and I didn't understand, I understood that there was people that was going through a lot worse, or so mm -hmm. I perceived. And that gave me a reason, a purpose, to carry on. And listening to you speak, Daniel, if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, what you said about you know your coaching journey actually then gave you a reason to climb over that fence that was called depression, and leave it behind you. Would that be a fair, a fair thing to say? Yeah, and I think while I was depressed, I was still being selfish, and it was all about me getting better. Mm. And I it was only after I got over depression and realised, you know what? I know what I'm talking about, and I'm really passionate about this stuff. I love personal development. Yeah. I love studying how the mind works. It just makes sense to use that to help other people, you know. Mm. But while you was talking. I just kept thinking about the Viktor Frankl story, you know, it was um, a man search for meaning. He was in the Nazi concentration camp. Right. And he was also a uh, um, psychotherapist or psychoanalyst or something like that. And what he realized was the people that got out from there, the people that survived, was the ones that had created some meaning about their experience, that they was going to use this experience to make sure that it never happened to anyone ever again, you know? Yeah. Whereas the people who didn't have any meaning, they just felt they was going through through pain for no reason. They were the ones that didn't survive. Yeah. The power of purpose is immense. Mm. It's absolutely immense, I believe, in all our lives. And, um, you know, from my three pillars of life model, Daniel, the first one is purpose, then it's prosperity, and then it's philanthropy. And in very simple terms, Purpose gives us a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Prosperity then gives us a life that we enjoy, that we're happy, that we love. Um, so we go up a level because just purpose alone is not enough. It's a significant step forward, but it's not enough. Whereas prosperity yeah. takes us up into that happiness, that love, that, you know, all of a sudden the lights come on in our world. And then the third one, philanthropy, is about giving back. So I've been on this journey. I've learned these lessons. Now I give it back, kind of, you know, tying it in what you said there about Frankl. I give these lessons learned now back to, to people so that they don't have to pay the big price that I paid. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I think that for me personally, Daniel, is 
everybody's responsibility on this planet. You know, we're, we're all learning different lessons. Some are massive life-changing ones, world-changing ones. But this for me, there's no rank because I think it goes back to um, when Gandhi said, be the change you want to be. So I think by us making small changes and, well, it's just one person. Is it really? Is it really? I suppose that's akin to people when they vote. Well, my vote won't make any difference. That's a good job a whole nation yeah. don't take that attitude. And it's the same mm -hmm. principle, I feel, Daniel, with ourselves that, you know, we can be that change. And, you know, obviously mm -hmm. your story is a prime example of that. Did you follow anybody in particular on your, because um, I listened to the tone of your voice and the way you kind of embrace this this gratitude for this journey, this opportunity mm -hmm. to go on this personal development, Daniel. Was there anybody in particular that you um, you singled out that resonated with you on in the early steps? Mm, yeah, well, I mean, being in personal development, it's not very long before you come across Tony Robbins. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, yeah, I've been a big fan of his for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I think most people who are into personal development are a fan of Tony Robbins. Um, many, many others. I, you know, I'm obsessed with personal development. So any, you know, anyone that's um, getting any recognition, then I'll, I'll uh, dive into their material. Uh, Nathaniel Brandon actually is uh, one that I would like to mention because a lot of people say they've never come across him. But his book, The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, absolute masterpiece. And it's one of my favorites of all time. Um, Eckhart Tolle, I love all the spiritual side, you know, all that. Um, just recently, Sid Banks, The Three Principles, um, uh, Jack Canfield, all the self-esteem type stuff, you know, mm. like, like forever with the list of names, you know. Do you find now, though, Daniel, that, uh, and I hear you what you say about these, you know, these many pra different practitioners. I mean, my, my early years were formed by uh, Dr. Stephen Covey. I was mesmerized by him. Right. Uh, that was way before, you know, I'd even heard of Tony Robbins. And of course, as you quite rightly say, you know, I kind of flirted with the uh, the Robbins thing, became a strategic intervention coach. And, mm. and I rate some of his stuff very highly. But what I also learned, Daniel, um, the more I progressed down the journey is I'm not a Robbins or a shopper clone. I am me. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I think it's like the, the lesson there for all of us, whether we're talking about personal development or, or inspired by people or whatever it is, we take a little bit of learning from that person, a little bit of mm. person from that, learning from that experience, and it contributes to our growth, doesn't it? Mm. There's a Bruce Lee quote, which fits perfectly with what you're saying, is take what's useful, discard what's not, and add what's uniquely your own. Yeah. And I the way I look at personal development, you know, I love personal development and I take all these little bits yeah. and I bring, you know, and I just add my unique flavor to, uh, yeah. to my coaching. That's an interesting insight, Daniel, and one that, you know, yet again, I wholeheartedly agree with, but it's a contrasting one, isn't it? From that um, sort of lack of confidence, lack of self-esteem um, state that you found yourself in previously, was there a conscious point that can you remember where, I suppose the the phrase is, the penny dropped and you realised just how special and important you are as an individual? Or has it been a kind of just a gradual, 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 you know, or was there almost a eureka moment that says, hang on, I'm not, I'm not in a black phase of my life anymore. I'm in a white phase, to use my 
previous terminology. Mm -hmm. It was definitely more slow and gradual. It happened over a long time. I think, if anything, the big change moment was when I discovered personal development mm -hmm. and I discovered, oh, actually, maybe I can do something about this. I'm not just stuck in this place where I'm, you know, stuck in the mud and no way of getting out of it. Mm. How do you, Daniel, find talking about love? How do I, how do I find talking about love? Mm. I think love has to come for yourself first. Okay. I think the important relationship in your life is your relationship with yourself. Yeah. And I think when you're in that place, you can be loving towards all beings, you know, anyone you come across. And any intimate relationship that you're in then is going to be much more balanced. Um, you're not going to have that needy side of it. You know, you don't need that person. You're very comfortable in yourself and you can live by yourself if that's what, you know, if, if that's what needs to be. Um, and ironically, you attract more people into your life then. Mm. You know, people are a part of your life when you're in that place. And when you know what your values are and you know what you want, you know you know who you are, the right person just kind of flows into your life, doesn't they, you know? Yeah, attraction, yeah, the right people show, um, or not as the case may be, depending, as you say, what frame of... Uh, what frame of energy you're in, what energy state you're in. Yeah, um, yeah. What, um, so from that, Daniel, um, when you talk about intimate relationships, um, mm. just bear with me on this, if you will. Before we can love ourselves, and I ask it as a question, not as a suggestion, do you feel that there's a need for source? Do we need to have that insight, that connection not a belief but a connection because all beliefs are false but a connection with a higher source whatever that might be and that is very intimate and very personal for some it's god for some it's consciousness for for some it's spirituality for some it's awareness there is no right there's no wrong it's a very personal intimate relationship i mean is that a, is that a view uh, or a feeling that you share I think self-esteem is about allowing that um, energy, you know, whatever you want to call it, allowing the universe, allowing God to shine through you, basically, you know, nature never repeats itself. Um, and I think, you know, like I said, uh, I felt like my depression came from trying to be something that I wasn't. Mm. You know, I think that just takes you away from the source, doesn't it? You know, I think truly being yourself is about being connected with that source and allowing it to shine through you in its unique way. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what I love about this conversation, Dan, you'll be behind you, there's a window and there's a very yeah. strong light shining on your back. And I think that's symbolic. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that's what my coaching is all about. You know, I, I made a post about it recently. I'm just, I just want to help people to be themselves. I want to help them to allow that light to shine. And, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing that um, I want to give them. There's nothing you know, I, want to, I want to build them up in any way. I just want to connect them back to that source. I love the metaphor that we're all diamonds covered in crap and then rolled in glitter. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the diamond is who we really are. That's the connection to source. And the crap that's on the top is all the fears and anxieties and um, feeling like you have to live up to other people's um, expectations and all this. 
and then the glitter that we wrap over the top is the facade because yeah. we get confused because all this crap gets put, put on at such a, an early age that we get confused and we think the crap is who we really are. So we've got to put on this facade then to pretend that I'm this, I'm that, you know, or the, the ego. I got to dress a certain way. I got to act a certain way. I got to drive a certain car. I got to have a certain job. Yeah. Yeah. I, my job, I don't think we're ever going to completely get rid of the crap because, you know, there's always going to be some fears. I think as part of it is about is it accepting that, but it, I want to wipe away enough that you can see the diamond and you can recognize who you really are. Yes. And my take on that, Daniel, what you've, that, that context that you've just put there is, um, and I was in the States a few years ago when I heard this and somebody said to this very, very, very eminent practitioner, a world famous practitioner, do we ever get to the stage where we're sorted? And he pondered for a moment and he said, what does this word sorted mean? He was playing a little bit of sort of devil's advocate. Mm. And he said, I think, I think I know what you mean. And he, and he said, but what do you think? And the lady that asked the question was, uh, well, you know, I don't know, I don't know. I said, let me tell you the answer. No. So to put it in what you've just said, Daniel, challenges are always there, always, but isn't it how we handled them? And what he said was, it's we, when this lower self presents itself this this anger this frustration this challenge whatever it is learn to catch it mm. allow it to come in and allow it to go out don't deny it because all you're doing then i was like and i think it was michael singer uh, the untethered soul daniel um daniel when he said um around this um somebody coming in a challenge coming in and first the first port to call is through your heart but what we tend to do because we protect ourselves we kind of bat it away we're in we're i suppose we're in a little bit of denial don't want to deal with it now can't be doing with this and the problem is that energy will not go away it will find somewhere to stay so it bounces off the art and goes up there and stays up there on free board yeah. margins well my my take up on that is when that visitor comes to use that uh, example of learn to catch it, let it in. So let life happen through you, not to you. Because for me, letting life happen to you is, is kind of just sitting back and saying, well, you know, why is it always me? And mm. we're kind of in victim mode then. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. And it's something that I speak to my clients about very often. I think where a lot of problems come from, it's like you, you're saying, we have these messages come through our emotions, you know, we feel mm. certain. And the emotion, like I said, with my depression is just trying to guide us back to a better place is, is an yeah. innate intelligence within us that is trying to give us a message. And I think we, the problem comes, it's not the message that's the problem, it's how we interpret it. Yeah. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I feel this way, so there's something wrong with me. You know, if I'm depressed, then there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. If, you know, if I'm anxious, then <laughs> the medical will would have you believe that you're deficient in some chemical, you know? Mm. What but, she... You know, the message is not the problem. It's, it's your relationship with the message. You know, if we can allow ourselves to feel a certain way and to experience what's actually happening in the moment and to learn from it and allow it to guide us, then we can have a better relationship with our emotions, our unconscious mind, 
And that is self-love, isn't it? That's self-esteem. You, you can tell yourself uh, affirmations until you're blue in the face. But if you're not in a loving relationship with your unconscious mind, it doesn't mean anything. You know, if you're in a relationship with a person, you tell them you love them all day long, and then you go out and sleep with, it, with someone else behind their back, they don't feel loved. Absolutely. It's the same thing with our emotions. You know, if you, you can look at the mirror and, in the mirror and tell yourself that you love yourself, but if you're not listening to the message that your unconscious mind is trying to give you, you're not in a loving relationship with yourself. Mm. And the reason I men mentioned the source element um, earlier on, Daniel, as, as being the most intimate relationship of all, is um, using this example of a mobile phone. And if this is us and we just rely on us and our own battery, sooner or later that's going to go flat. So mm -hmm. what we have to do is plug the phone in to an external source for energy and power to get recharged, re-energized. And I think using a simple mobile phone is a great example of to say whatever that source is, we all need it. And that's a very, for me, as I said, a very personal, intimate relationship above all any other, because that is what sustains me. And then, mm. as you say, I am in a position where I'm fully charged and energized um, emotionally, um, spiritually to, to be able to give things because we can't give what we don't have. Because if there's no charge on the battery, well, mm. there's no charge on the battery. So I just yeah. think uh, that's why I always like sort of um, asking that question, Daniel, because it's one that, you know, well, people say, well, I'm not a religious person. Well, whatever the dynamic is, I didn't ask or I didn't suggest that people are religious, but I mm. massively have come to know that we do need that external, that external power through it. And that is the way not life naturally is anyway. I think it's only when we're in that kind of lower state of that, ego-driven, I know best, I'll do it my way. Mm. Because we've usually been taught that behaviour. I certainly was. And I've spoken to thousands of other people over decades that were, because yet again, Daniel, we don't know what we don't know. So, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to, I think, to sort of peel the layers back of these labels and these beliefs. Um, what's your thoughts, Daniel? I've made a statement already about all beliefs are false. What's your thoughts around that? That's a belief in itself, isn't it? Mm. Beliefs are false. Yeah. It can be. <laughs> uh, um, it was a therapist that once said that. I can't think who it was now. And uh, one person said they don't believe anything anymore. And mm. they came back. Well, that's a belief in itself. But I don't, I don't have any beliefs. Yeah, I get that. And then I suppose now what we're flirting with is we're going into the realms of duality. Mm. So our thoughts, our beliefs are attached to our mind. But what if our mind and our body and what we think is us is actually part of the lower self? What if the higher self is, that? to use your term, Daniel, and that is, I, you know, is, is who we are. We are that diamond, absolutely, every mm -hmm. single one of us. That diamond is the higher self. And actually that doesn't need any justification, reasoning. It doesn't need anything. It's just a beautiful thing. It just is. But the mind kicks in and wants to control through the ego yeah. with its thoughts all, all this myriad, because as we know, the ego's there 
to protect us, to keep us safe. And it will do whatever it needs to do. It plays tricks on us, tells us things, drives fear through us like a lightning bolt. But what if we can learn to detach from that and say, hmm, okay, Paul, so why are you thinking that? I'm almost watch yourself. It's almost like watching your little brother or your little a little child, little Daniel or little Paul do or say or be something that you think, wow, where did that come from? Mm. It's that detachment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I certainly see the power of questioning your beliefs um i think like like you said i think our mind is just trying to protect us it's trying to understand what's going on so that we can feel comfortable so that we don't always feel unsure of what's going on um yeah and beliefs don't always serve us you know they, they, they work to protect us but they don't always serve us and sometimes it's worth taking a moment to to question yeah. yeah, I mean, a belief, I suppose, is an exp it's based on an experience here and now, isn't it? You know, not literally here and now, but within a sort of time frame that that we can relate to. But will that will be the same belief tomorrow or the day after or the year after? Mm -hmm. It changes like the wind. So when you look yeah. at things, Daniel, that's ever changing... Rupert, Rupert Spire, I think, does it brilliantly, and he eloquently describes how if you imagine your life as a TV screen, and as you observe, you are the TV screen. We are the TV screen, because as we host events that go through our life, it could be a film, it could be a drama, we create that script and we actually become so engrossed as part of that. We become that central character. And we're too immersed in being that central character. For me, it was called survival. I become a survival character. And that dominated every, every role I played in, in whatever relationship. What I then found out, Daniel, is actually that detachment is these scenes come and go. There are happy times. There are sad times. There are times that are neutral. So what I learned was actually, I'm not the, the cowboy in that film or the victim or the hero in that film. I'm actually the screen. And I house these experiences that come and go and come and go because I am the only thing that's constant. The experiences are not. The experiences are changing all the time. And so what Spira talks about is the mind, the body, and the world. And for the world, he talks about the five senses and the perceptions that go with that. I think I like the smell of coffee. Okay, well, that's your experience. But it's nothing more for, than an experience. So you take the learning out of it and you let the rest go. And in a more sort of elevated, higher self perspective, Daniel, it's around accepting that we are... We're screens that just house life's experiences that come and go, and they come and go. But the one thing that remain constant is the TV screen. Mm, or that yeah. beautiful diamond that will reflect light, because different lights will shine. At night time, light won't shine off the diamond. So does that stop it being a diamond? Of course it doesn't. 
But when the sun's radiating, like it is in the back on that uh, on that window, which is absolutely brilliant, um, <laughs> um, it doesn't stop it being a diamond, though, does it? You know, if whether mm. the uh, whether the lights there or not, it's a diamond, and we're mm. the same. Does does that? Yeah. So we're experiencing our mind, basically. I, I think that's where I'm getting from this. So. Michael Neal talks about this stuff a lot as uh, like three principles is very spiritual uh, type practice. I'm only just recently coming across it. Michael Neal is like one of the, the big um, advocates of the three principles. And he says um, he did acting before he became a coach and he was in a play. So they, they'd been practicing the play for a long time. And then when they came to actually doing the show, um, it was, it was a play where he was in like a, a battle with the, with his buddies. There was like some uh, some dancing play, and there, you know, there was some argument that happened. And his buddy, um, who in the play was his enemy, at one point did something that he'd never done in the in practice before. And he said he just got so ticked off about it. You know, all of a sudden he was this character. He wasn't mm. wasn't uh, Michael Neal anymore. He was this person in the character, and he got ticked off with what this other person did. Yeah. And he said it's the same, you know, in life. We, we get we get ticked off with these things that happen, not really realizing that it's all just in our mind. Absolutely. You know, you, like one big play, isn't it? You know, Absolutely. It's just how... Yeah, one big drama unfolding. And the, the trick is, to go back to the early example, is to catch it. Be aware of it. Be aware of this stuff that's going on. What what films on that my TV screen at the moment? I actually don't like that film. I need to switch that channel off. I don't like it because it doesn't serve me. And it's having that kind of higher self elevation to look down on this this character driven before you come immersed in it, which is actually a metaphor becoming a victim, and understand that actually our mind is a phenomenal phenomenal tool mm. I say to people is your little finger you no it's a part of me is your left knee you no it's a part of me your right foot your left ear your head whatever whatever no they're all parts of me does tail wag dog well it shouldn't do ah isn't it true in our lives though and I'll certainly you know throw my hands up and take responsibility for saying for decades Daniel, the tail wagged this dog before I, I took that power back and said, right, okay, no, you're the tail. You're part of the film that's on the screen. I am the screen. I am the dog. And it's the same with the mind. I use my, understand my relationship now with my mind as my best friend, my best friend, but it's not me. It doesn't define who I am. No more than any past experiences that were controlled by my mind at the time because I didn't know any better. It's not defining me and I won't allow it to. I've made some massive, massive mistakes that's caused a lot of people a lot of pain. Mm. And I'm actually on a sending energy out and if I can touch them physically, um, you know, to apologise for the part I played in that, whatever it may have been. So... Any thoughts on any of that, uh, Daniel, before I move on to one final question? Yeah, what was coming up for me then when he was talking about that is, like I was saying earlier, our emotions are there to guide us. 
and the same with our thoughts you know our mind it can give us great guidance mm. sometimes it's useful sometimes it's not but it's not us yeah. it, it makes an amazing uh, servant it makes an amazing best friend yeah. but it's not you know the ship Absolutely. and you need to be present enough to be able to experience the emotions as they come up and to be able to see the thoughts for what they are and to sometimes take them as guidance and to sometimes say you know, well, this is not useful in this moment and I'm going to do what I know is right. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% in my humble opinion, in my humble belief. <laughs> okay, I want to ask you one final question, uh, Daniel, if I may. Um, and it's a question I've started asking um, all my guests that come on Speaking From Arts because I think it's a phenomenal question. And it's this. What does Speaking From Your Heart mean to you it's about me being authentic it's about me being connected to the source me being present me being open and vulnerable allowing people to see the real me um yeah it's about being honest open authentic if you had one message, Daniel, to, to leave to the world, I mean, you've shared some great stuff and, and sincere gratitude for you for, you know, um, showing vulnerability and talking around what, uh, I think they're becoming less taboo subjects, things like depression and anxiety. Thankfully, mm -hmm. they're being brought out now in the open and mm -hmm. it's absolutely uh, vital that they are. So thank you for that share. Um, but if you had one message, Daniel, above all others, to leave to the world from your present level of awareness, what would that be? Be you, be authentic, allow people to see who you are and no one is coming to save you. Your life is your responsibility. Okay, thank you. So there you have it listeners. Very thought provoking I feel. So uh, as I say, sincere gratitude uh, to Daniel for, for sharing his story and his insights. And I just want to sign off, if I may, by, the, by saying this. Remember, whatever it is that you do, always walk your path with heart. Hearts, helping everyone achieve results towards success.